You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Covenant Church in Big Spring, Texas. Thank you so much for joining us online. To find more resources or to donate to this amazing ministry, please visit us at cccbigspring.org or text your amount to 84321. Hey, we're so glad that you're here. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God. Grab your Bibles. Meet me in the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. The Apostle Paul shares some things with the church at Ephesus that I believe that is certainly where the Holy Spirit is taking us now. We'll go there here in a moment, but Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 26 and verse number 27. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Your translation may be different from mine, but I believe you'll be able to follow along again. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the 26th and the 27th verse. If you've arrived to that portion of Scripture, I want you to signify by the saying of amen. If you have not, say hold on. Oh, that's a lot of hold ons right there. I'm so glad that Bible study is starting this coming week. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Look, look, before COVID, we didn't have that many. Teresa, we didn't have that many hold-ons, did we? You couldn't even hardly find a hold-on. Now we've been out for a few months. Now everybody's saying hold-on. All right. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the 26th and 27th verse. I'm scared to say hold. I'm scared to ask the question again. If you've arrived to that portion of Scripture, I want you to signify by the saying of Amen. If you have not, say, hold on. Some of y'all want to say, hold on right now. You're still turning pages. We'll give you a second. It's just two verses of Scripture. But they're certainly relevant for today. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, be angry. So look at your name and say, be angry. Look at your name and say, too late, I'm already angry. Be angry and do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And this is what he says in the 20 verse, uh, 27th verse. He says, and nor give place to the devil. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've been in this series called Piercing the Darkness. I told you the definition of piercing means to lean in. It means to bo- lean. It means to bore in. It means to cut into. We see this in Acts, the 22nd chapter. Verses 39, where the Bible says that after the day of Pentecost, Peter came and preached. And the word of God that he preached pricked, King James, pricked their heart. That means that word cut into their heart. The only word that helps us is the word that gets in. Okay, I'm going to say it. I heard some amens. Listen to me. The only word that's going to help you this morning is the word that actually gets in. If I give you a bottle of water, it doesn't quench your thirst. It's only when you drink it and take it in will it start to have an effect on you. So I want you to understand that the word we get into this morning, it has to break through. So in this series, we've been talking about piercing the darkness, that that word has to get in. And the reason we use that definition, because I want you to see, the definition is that when it comes to piercing, it means to lean, it means to bore into, it means to cut through, but it also means to do so by force using strength. That means we must be intentional. 
we must be intentional when it comes to piercing the darkness. Look at your neighbor and say, pierce the darkness. Now, the darkness was defined as any person that is outside of a fellowship or outside of a living relationship, a lively, living, ongoing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and did not have or maintain a fellowship with God through that relationship with Jesus. So a person that is actually living apart from God, number one, and do not maintain a fellowship with God through Jesus Christ is in darkness. That means believers, if they're not careful, can find themselves in darkness. Can I get a witness here? So this is what we're going to do. The first two weeks, we talked mainly about you coming to the aid of others. I told you five things to do before you pierce the darkness, and then I gave you four things we needed to do after we went into darkness to be an aid to our families, friends, circle of influence. Today, we're going to give you some things for you. There's some things that you need. I believe God's going to come to your rescue through the revelation of his word. Somebody needs the word of God to shine brightly in their area. I promise you, I promise you, I, I, may, I go out on a limb and tell you that if you pay attention to the word of God today, your life will never be the same in Jesus' name. And it's not a complex word. It's very simple, but it's one that must be applied. Amen. What I want to do is I want to speak to you from the subject. He says, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, he says, be angry, but sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And then he says, neither give place to the devil. I want to talk to you briefly, individually and collectively, how to enjoy my best life now. Some of you are not enjoying your lives because you put it off, because you think you're supposed to be miserable because you haven't forgiven yourself in some areas. Some of you are in a circle of influence that people won't allow you to enjoy your best life now because they're miserable, they don't want to see you happy. It is true, misery, you got some of them friends too. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to show you how to enjoy your best life now. But there's a mantra that we all need to share. It's three simple words. And I want you to just say it after I say it. Here it is, today's message. Not today, devil. Yeah, you said it good, but I need you to say it one more time. Come on with some gusto. That's what you're going to walk out of here understanding as it relates to the Word of God. And every opportunity that the enemy tries to come back, you're going to say. When the enemy tries to suck you in, you're going to say. When he tries to take you back into them old habits, you're going to say. When he tries to bring them old crazy friends back around, you're going to say? Even though you're going to tell them, I still love you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for this opportunity to be in your word today. Now I pray that you would comfort our hearts with your word and bring us revelation knowledge. Walk us through this process as we seek to discover that which you would have our hearts to receive today. It's in Jesus' name we pray and the people of God say it. Amen. Please be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, worship team. I was so blessed by our worship experience. I'm so excited that here it is. There was five Sundays in this month. Four out of the five uh, people have been led to the Lord and have been baptized four out of the five weeks. That is absolutely amazing considering the season 
that we've been in. And also, I'm excited not only to celebrate that, but we should have a couple of more baptisms because we had two more people early this week that gave their life to the Lord. Amen. And so thank God for that as well. So with that being said, I told you earlier that last two weeks ago, we talked about what do you do before you go in? Remember that we were once in darkness. That's something that we all need to remember. It, it, it helps us to temper our attitude uh, when it comes to dealing with people when we know that we were once there. Also, remember that we were once rescued. If we were rescued, you can be rescued. There's no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he can do for you. We also said, remember that we are needed in the world. So don't let the enemy back you up in the corner and bully you and make you think that your presence is not warranted or needed. You are needed in the world. Uh, and not only that, uh, number four, we said, remember those in darkness cannot see what you see. And then last in that first week, we said, when light shows up, darkness cannot win. Now, with that being said, if you didn't miss any part of that, because there are scriptures that cross-reference scriptures, uh, uh, scripture references to each point, so I would encourage you to go back and listen to that message online through our podcast system or through uh, video. Part two, we talked about after you go in, if you allow the light to shine, the light will illuminate that place of darkness. Sometimes we see this in our circles of influence in our homes. Uh, I certainly have experienced this. When you shine light, it also exposes what was hidden by the darkness. I personally have experienced this in my life, but also it will be a guiding light. The Word of God is a light that shines, and it will guide you to the place of exit. But then also, this is the thing that is a deterrent that sometimes causes Christians to, not, to, to sometimes shy away from shining their light, because once you shine the light, it reflects back onto you. And you cannot do that without some level of of a focus on your t uh, yourself, it brings attention to you, and sometimes with that attention, it brings attacks. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on what Paul wrote in our third and final installment in Piercing the Darkness: is how do I enjoy when I'm when I'm coming to the aid? Because certainly, when you realize that you've been called to not just serve in the house of God or serve in ministry, but to serve the kingdom effort in your circles of influence, in your homes, on your jobs, in your businesses, wherever you may find yourself spending the vast majority of your time, you're called to serve in those areas as well. I want you to understand that we need you to survive. Amen. We, we need you to survive. We need to make sure that you are healthy and, and restored and replenished and blessed so that you can get back in to the fight. And I'm going to share with you some things that you can apply to your personal life that will help you in this effort. And they're very simple things. And matter of fact, some of the things that you're going to say is, duh. But oftentimes we're not applying it to our personal lives. Because as I started to read this and study this for myself, I was like, man, that is so simple. And then the other side of my brain said, why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you doing this? Why are you putting these things into practice? And so this is where we're going to start. When Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, he starts out by opening in this, when he starts to teach this particular principle that I'm going to share with you in Ephesians 4 and 26, he says, be angry. Say that with me. Be angry. Come on, class. Be angry. Now, notice he gives us license to be angry. You need to understand that. He gives us license to be angry. Let me tell you why. Because anger is a part of the human condition. The word anger there is the Greek word or grizzo. Or gizzo is this funny little Greek word that simply means to provoke. It means to agitate. It means to arouse, to wrap. But this is what you need to remember. It also means emotional. In other words, anger is an emotion. 
Anger is emotion, and it's not even a primary emotion. It's secondary. So when you start talking about being angry, you should also go and do a little search to find out what are you angry about. So this is the thing that I want to share with you. There's four or five types. Matter of fact, the reason we're covering it this way, somebody say orgizo. Ogizo is a part of this other uh, framework, it, it's what we call a social construct. In other words, man looked at and studied these things, not necessarily through the lenses of the Word of God, but as it relates to psychology. Uh, you cannot be afraid of psychology even in Christian circles. Uh, sometimes people are afraid of psychology in Christian circles, uh, but you should not be. Why? Because Paul taught us in Romans, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your Mind. In other words, if your mind is not transformed, you'll continue to have last year experiences this time next week. You'll get that on the way to the car. You'll be like, I'll be John Brown. Okay, so uh, I want you to understand that when it comes to the, the emotional framework, uh, when we start talking about emotions, emotions is something that all of us deal with, all of us. Uh, there was a study done, and now they've got all these different categories. I'm going to give you five different categories that, that most, if not all, emotions can fall under. Now, some studies say six, some say seven, some say ten. The reason I'm going to stick with the five, because the five that I'm going to cover this morning is not only do you see it biblically, I'm going to cover these five because all of the other studies go right into the five that I'm going to give you, and those additional ones that they have can fall in the major five categories that I'm going to cover, okay? So there's five. How many are they? Now, if I have five types, how many points do you think I have? Okay, there you go. You're following really good, class. It must be because school started. All right, we're doing really good. Okay, so this is what I want to cover with you this morning. The first thing that I want to cover you, and, and of course, this is the thing that Paul is saying, and that is, what do you think the first one is? It is anger. Paul says sometime you're going to find yourself in this seat. You're going to find yourself in the seat of anger. Now, let me tell you briefly what anger is. What is this? What is it again, class? Anger is, a, is an emotion that is accompanied by a strong feeling of just annoyance, displeasure, hostility. Sometimes you find yourself in the seat of anger. You're going to sometimes be mad. Now, when I say mad, I want you to understand that because sometimes people say that's a psychological term and uh, it, it, it sometimes denotes other things. But I was telling them this morning about a calling card. When you start talking about anger, I want you to understand that anger sometimes finds itself being peeved. Sometimes you'll find just being annoyed, frustrated. Sometimes you may uh, come into somebody's house, they're married, and you maybe think they're mad at each other and sometimes they're not. Sometimes she's frustrated because the air conditioner quit, and she's going through hot flashes. <laughs> oh, you laugh, but that'll make you angry from the depths of your soul. Look at the women's faces. Look at them like, mm-hmm, it make you want. Look, I'm telling you, it'll make you hurt somebody and call Jesus later. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you find yourself angry, and then he's mad because he can't find the remote. Have you ever lost a man's remote? I mean, you think he, would lo he lost a limb somewhere, does it? You know, and then, uh, okay, is this not going on in y'all's house? Y'all pray for me then. I, I grew up with this. I mean, this was passed down. I think this is a generational curse. My dad was, I mean, I don't know what it is that makes you angry, but whatever it is, you, all of us, it's universal. One of the things you'll find out about the five emotions, how many are there? 
the five motions, the five categories, the five types, you'll find out that they're universal. Doesn't matter what your race is, doesn't matter what your age is, doesn't matter about your uh, background, doesn't matter what part of the country, it doesn't matter about your nationality or ethnicity, it doesn't matter about any of those things. All of these things are universal. The emotions are universal, but then... Because that is a basic human response, how you interpret that denotes this. So the greater category is anger. But how your mind interprets it, it may be bitter. It may be that you're mad. It may be that you're insulted. But it still falls under the category of being angry. Now, with that being said, again, I want to define what anger is because we'll cover this later. It's an emotion that is accompanied by a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. So can I ask you a question? What are you still angry about? What are you still angry about? See, not only do we find ourselves, how many do we have, class? So how many did I cover? How many when we got left? Okay, so here's the next one. The next one is, and this is an emotion as well, and that is disgust. Sometimes you find yourself simply disgusted. You're, you're disgusted. You're upset. You're mad. You're just, you, you just got to, I mean, you're just, okay, let me just give you some examples. Sometimes, let me first define what disgust is. Disgust is an emotion that is accompanied by a feeling of revulsion or a strong disapproval aroused by something unpleasant or offensive. Sometimes it's minor, Sometimes it's minor. Sometimes I'm disgusted by a dirty diaper. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. It ain't like you've never been disgusted by a dirty diaper. But that's minor on the scale of life challenges. But I'm also disgusted by bullying. You want to get under my skin? Let me see you pick on somebody. You know what disgusted me? Since we're here and I'm going to take two minutes, to, just two minutes to get on this soapbox. You know what really, I'm trying to think of a nice word, disgusts me about bullying is when people who are in authority to do something about it doesn't do anything about it. Now, now I'm a leader to their defense. You can't, know, you can't do something if you don't know nothing. So a lot of times people assume that you know. Well, I thought you knew. Did you tell? No, I just thought you shouldn't. You got to report it. But let me tell you something. While we're on this soapbox, let me just tell you that you're going to be disgusted by many things. Those are just a couple of mine. You may have your laundry list of things, but you need to understand that all of us get disgusted at times. Now, what are some of the things that comes along with being disgusted? I'm so glad my class asked. Listen here. Sometime here, disgust comes in the form of being offended, loathing, aversion. That means to have a strong dislike. All of a sudden, you're disturbed, uncomfortable, nauseated, disapproving. Here it is, dislike, horrified. It doesn't matter what it is. Sometimes you just find yourself in a place of just disgust. You find yourself sitting in this seat. You didn't plan on sitting in this seat, but you're sitting in this seat. And if you're not in a place of anger, sometimes you're just in a place of disgust. Sometimes that's the place that we're just in. Now, not only do we find ourselves in a place of disgust, but let me tell you, more times than not, we find ourselves also in the place of fear. Fear is a seat that all of us in this room to some scale, has sat, sat in. 
if we're not in anger, disgust, sometimes we find ourselves in the seat of fear. I'm going to show you the biblical way of dealing with this, but, I, but, but in order to confront a problem, you got to acknowledge that it's there. Why? Because you'll never conquer what you will not confront, and the enemy of confrontation is avoidance. Look at your neighbor and say, don't avoid him. Don't touch him. Don't touch him because we're still praying over this COVID. But just look at him. Just look at him with authority and say, don't avoid it. Don't avoid it. Yeah. So sometimes you find yourself in the place of fear. Now, let's ask the question, what does fear look like? What does fear look like? Well, sometimes it comes in the form of just being, just comes in the form of being worried, doubtful, nervous, anxious, terrified, panicked, horrified. All of these things can be listed as it relates to how you feel and deal with or how you interpret fear. But fear is something that gets a hold of all of us. And of course, here's my next one. How many do I have, class? How many we covered? What number are we on? Okay, we're on number four. Boy, y'all are doing good. Children's church ain't got nothing on us. Here it is. And that is sadness. There's some people sitting here this morning. You're sitting in this seat. You're sitting in the seat of sadness. This is a normal emotion. Sometimes we're sad because we lost somebody. Perhaps we're not just angry because we lost a job, but perhaps we're sad because we've seen the impact of a loss of income and the effects it has on our family and our mental health, our emotional health, our social health, and relationships. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place of sadness. All of a sudden, we've lost business. People that we depended on all of a sudden went to another uh, service. All of those things. All of those things has an effect on why? Because we're human. And we find ourselves in a place of sadness. Now, let's take a look at and see. I know people online, they're saying, what is he doing going back and, back and forth? So... What are some of the things, and I'm so grateful for my wife. She helped me with this because y'all know I don't write this good. If you've ever seen me write, because I had some of y'all food, didn't I? Now, listen, listen, listen. I did these. I did these, so give a brother some credit. You know what I'm saying? I know some of y'all looking like, oh, I thought that was his grandkids that did that project. Okay, no, I, I did that, but here it is. When it comes to the area of sadness, sometimes we find ourselves troubled. Sometimes, here it is, we're heartbroken. Maybe it was a breakup. Maybe it's a loss. Maybe it's just a disappointment. Maybe it's a feeling of just hopeless. You're just in that seat, and you find yourself sitting in this seat. So, sometimes we're in the seat of anger. Sometimes we find ourselves in the seat of fear. What Paul teaches us about this seat can be applied to all of these other seats. Now, let me give you one more seat because it is equally, probably more so important than all the others. How many we cover? How many we have left? Okay, boy, here it is. The last seat. What do y'all think it is? What do you think it is? Y'all scared the answer? Bling! Look at that. Enjoyment. Y'all like that bling? Y'all, that's how we do it at CCC. I put some bling on enjoyment. I put some bling on it. Amen. 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 The, the package came with gold and silver. I thought I'd give y'all a little silver today. You know what I'm saying? So here it is. Enjoyment. Now, 
This is a seat that is also, when you consider the five types of emotions, five categories, it comes in anger, disgust. It also comes with sadness and fear. But the fifth category, that happiness and all of those things come in, it comes in the seat of enjoyment. You say, Pastor Willard, why would you go there? In both the Old and the New Testament, suggests to us in his teaching of the soul or the mind, it is the seat, it is the seat of your thoughts, your wills, and your emotions. The Bible says in the Old Testament that Adam became a living nepish when he became, when God breathed into him the breath of life, he became a living soul. The word soul there is the Hebrew word nepish, which means he's cognitively aware that he's living. Trees are living, but they don't know it. So God made us different than the animals. God made us different than the trees. God made us different, amen, than the flowers. We cognitively know that we are living. And because of that, we have something called a mind. When we start talking about our hearts, our heart is, when we talk about the heart as it relates to the, the Word of God, it's not talking about the heart that pumps blood. It's talking about the seat, the seat of your thoughts, your wills, and your emotions. And it has a lot to do with how you feel about yourself. Some of you right now are not enjoying your life because you don't feel like you're educated enough. Some of you don't enjoy your life right now because you're too short. Some of you feel like you're too tall. Some of you feel like you're too ugly. Some of you feel like you're just being uh, treated, mistreated because you are too attractive. Some of you feel like you don't make enough money. You don't live in the right neighborhood. You don't drive the right car. All of those things, depending on how you process those things, will determine how you feel about yourself. How you think has a lot to do with how you feel. And so what we're going to do today is change the way we focus on the right thing and get away from focusing on the wrong thing. Can I get a witness here? So now with that being said, what are some of the things that comes with enjoyment? I'm so glad you asked. Here are some of the things that come with enjoyment. Get, oh, Lord, look at this one. Peace, relief, satisfaction. Here it is. Amusement, pride, love, happiness. All of this comes with enjoyment. The problem is when Paul taught this principle, and again, we're going to start here. We're going to really stay here. The reason I set this up, because I want you to see that the emotions of anger is also sharing space with other emotions that's in us. And a part of this human condition, all of us can fall into this trap. So what did Paul teach us at the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 4? He says, be angry, but sin not. So here it is. Let's look at that one. He says, sin not. Say that with me. Sin, so that means the word literally translates to missing the mark. So when Paul says, be angry, and then he says, don't miss the mark or don't get caught up in sin, he is saying that anger, if you stay in that seat too long, it will cause you to miss the mark. Every person in here needs to understand that there is a standard that God has set for all of us. His, God has an expectation for you in your marriage, in your parenting, in your career, in your business. God has a standard for you. 
And it is revealed through your personal relationship with him and through the word. It is oftentimes revealed in prayer, but that is. That's why the scripture says, for him to know, he that knoweth to do right and does it not, it's a sin unto him. So some things are what, what we would consider more COVID. Then it's more over, uh, covert than overt as it relates to God's expectation uh, per- personally. So you need to understand that God has an expectation. When we miss the mark, that's considered a sin. That's considered a sin. So Paul says, don't miss the mark because you stayed in anger too long. He says, be angry. That's a normal human emotion. Then he says, but sin not. In other words, he says, don't allow your anger to become licensed to sin. I read something earlier that the love of God is not a license to sin. The love of Christ is an opportunity to repent. Talk to me, somebody. So we need to understand that just because Jesus loves us doesn't give us the opportunity nor the license to act like a fool. Amen. We got to get it right. If we're going to live for him and we're going to carry his name, that's why he says those who carry the name of Christ, let them carry the name of the Lord. Let them depart from evil. So he's why? He's saying because there's an expectation. So he says, be angry. He says, but sin not. Now, what, what is he telling us when he makes this statement? He is saying that in every opportunity, every seat of this emotion, you need to understand that darkness lurks right underneath. And so all of us, because we're human, we can find ourselves in the seat of anger because we're human. He says, but be angry, but sin not. Don't miss the mark. And then he says this. He says, and don't let the sun go down on your wrath. This is what he's saying. Let me translate for you. He's saying, don't stay in anger too long. He says, because if you let yourself stay in anger too long, it's going to open a door. The first thing you need to do, it develops, and I'm going to show you later in Corinthians, it develops a stronghold. So all of a sudden, you're mad, you're angry. You're mad. You're mad at your boss. And all of a sudden, they said something, and you replanted it in your head. And then you go home, and you And now you're venting, but you're not processing correctly. All you're doing is rehearsing or replaying the pain. You're not calling yourself to action to rid yourself of the anger. You're just rehearsing the pain. Oh, anybody ever done that? Well, you play it over and over and over what they said, but you don't offer no resolution, no solution to get you out of it. You're just replaying the pain. And some of you do that to yourself. Some of you are not angry at other people. Some of you are angry at yourself. You're looking back at something you did 20 years ago, and the enemy still lets you replay it over and over, and you feel unworthy. You feel shameful. The enemy brings condemnation, and you just play it over and over and over, and you get mad at yourself. And remember, being mad is also associated with anger so all of a sudden you find yourself sitting in this seat so he says be angry sin not don't let the sun go down on your wrath why I was telling them early and some of you have heard me say this that the sun going down on the wrath is not necessarily chronological order it's an illustration of light versus darkness sun going down it, it, the picture is that the sun was up and it was shining brightly and it brought illumination And it it goes back to some of the things we talked last week. But then, all of a sudden, the sun starts to go down, which is a picture that now darkness is getting ready to have. It's it's, it's a time limit, but it has its opportunity to come and take a dominating role. That's what darkness does. The sun goes down, darkness shows up. This is what you need to understand. Darkness always expedites the death rate. 
So you take a banana and you pull it back from its source. You cut it from the vine. Immediately it starts dying. Why? Because you cut it from its life-giving source. It's still edible, but it's dying. If you take that banana, take it home from the grocery store, sit it on the cabinet, eventually it will go start to become brown and become darkened and all of a sudden what we call rotten. If you want to expedite the death rate, take that same banana or take two bananas, leave one on the cabinet, take the other one and stick it under your sink and close the door. You will discover something. The banana underneath turned darker faster. Why? Because darkness expedited the death rate. That's what happens with us in darkness. That's why God will tell you, apologize now. Say you're sorry now. Reconcile with them now. Go get it right now. Oh, I went wrong. God says, look, it ain't about right or wrong. In this case, it's about reconciliation. Because there's some things that God can tell you that, hey, I reconciled with you and you was absolutely wrong. Amen. So you need to understand, I'm not saying that right and wrong is not important. I'm saying that you have to focus on reconciliation rather than being right. So here it is. He says, be angry, sin not, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Because in that place of darkness, that anger becomes a grudge, and that grudge becomes unforgiveness. And Hebrew tells us that if you stay there too long, you become bitter. And guess what bitter does? The Bible says bitterness defiles many. That means your bitterness gets on to other people. That's why on one season of your life, for people who are married, you said, everybody abandoned me when I went through my divorce. Everybody didn't abandon you when you, th- when you went through your divorce. Some people couldn't tolerate you during your divorce because you were bitter. Some people didn't abandon you when you lost your job. They abandoned you because you became bitter after you lost your job. And for their own survival to keep from sinking, they separated themselves. Somebody needs to hear me in that regard. That everybody didn't abandon you. Listen to me. Because at my lowest point, I needed them. But what was your disposition? What was your attitude? You have to realize that sometimes people get back from you because you become so contaminated with bitterness, it bleeds into the relationship. And if you don't let God heal you, you've heard it said, I've heard it said, we've all read it online, and that is, if you don't let God heal you, you'll bleed on people that never cut you. So, somebody say anger. Come on, somebody say anger. So he says, be angry. It's a part of the human condition. Be angry, but sin not. And don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And then notice what he says in verse 27. It is connected to verse 26. He says, nor give place to the devil. Don't give no place. Don't give no space. Don't give no opportunity to the devil. This is what he's saying. If you stay in the seat of anger, sadness, fear, disgust, if you stay in that seat too long, what you do is you give an opportunity to the devil to slip in. I was telling them that, and I thank God for the generation we live in because technology is absolutely amazing, and we're able to see things in this season of our lives that we weren't able to see when I was a kid growing up. One of the things that I'm fascinated by is some of the scientific videos that shows some of the amazing things that creatures are able to do. I don't know about y'all, but I don't like cockroaches. But isn't it amazing how cockroaches seem that they can get in the finest of little places? Have you ever noticed... Uh, uh, and, and some of you need to check this out, some of the scientific discovery videos about how, uh, my, I, I, don't like, I don't like rats either. 
Oh, that's not a rat. That's a mite. That's, that's a mouse. Same thing. Same thing. They're on the same team. <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed by that. that. That wasn't a rat. That was a same team. Okay. I don't like mice nor rats. All right. Here we go. But I'm blown away by how under a small gap under a door, this big, they can contort their bodies, flatten themselves, and still make it in. I was watching a video one time where this, this uh, uh, squid, perhaps octopus, I can't remember which, but was on this boat and was trying to get off. Some of you probably seen it. And in a hole this big, this animal that was huge was able, took some time, but over time squeezed itself down, contorted itself so that it could slide through this one little portal hole on this boat to go right back into the water. And if you're looking at the animal before you see it on camera, you're saying there's no way that can fit into that. And I believe, here it is, that's how we say about the enemy. There's no way the enemy can fit in there. There's no way the enemy's going to get through that. And you have to realize the Bible says, notice the scripture says, give no place to the devil. In other words, give no opportunity. So let me tell you, before we get out of here this morning, some places where the enemy can get in. One place, if you sit in the seat of anger too long, you are creating the gap for the enemy to come into your life. Somebody in here needs to hear that. It is not enough to say, you know what, I'm going to do better. I'm going to process before I get home. I'm not going to yell at my kids. I'm going to quit fighting with my spouse. That's good. And, and I, I applaud you for that. And we got to start somewhere. But understand, it is not about just changing just your behavior. It is recognizing that the enemy is trying to get in so that he can take over. So it's okay to be angry. I'm not telling you to squash the emotions of anger. You're going to get angry sometime. But even in your anger, you need to understand that in your anger, let's do this. Let's make sure that we're not creating a bigger gap for the enemy to slip in. Because if you do, and you sit in this seat too long, darkness that was already there starts to cover the place where you were sitting. Why? Because you give the enemy the rite of passage when you stay in the place of anger. So here you are, a child of God, and you say, well, I don't think the enemy can come into my life like that. If you don't believe that, listen to Pastor Robert Morris' teaching on the message under the influence. Because there's a lot of believers that believe and declare that there's no way that that can happen, which makes no sense. Because if you take a bottle of Jack Daniels, and certainly I'm not suggesting that you do this, well, I'm just going to try this out because Pastor Willard mentioned it in the sermon today. <laughs> but if you go, take, if you go drink a, a whole lot of, of Jack Daniels and Jim Beeman and tequila and all that stuff, guess what? You're a believer, but you'll still be under the influence even though you are a child of God. Why? Because you are impacted and affected by what you take in. And if you let anger overwhelm you, it creates an opportunity for the enemy to slide right into your life. And guess what? The Bible says that this anger turns into bitterness and it defiles many. That's why some of you, listen, I'm not, I'm not condemning you. I'm confronting you. That's why some of you are bullies. That's why some of you, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, people are happy to see you leave the house. People that you say you love, you treat the worst. The people that you actually go out and work for, 
through the sun up, sun down to make a paycheck are the people that can't hardly stand you. You know why? Because you give everybody your best and you come and squeeze the, what's left. And you, because you know you don't have enough, you take it out on them. I've never met a man that was abusing his wife that wasn't first mad at himself. The Bible says that she is a reflection of you. So understand that. So my point is simply this. We need to, ooh, you, boy, it's quiet in here this morning. You can hear, you can hear a rat licking on ice right now, can't you? Listen, listen, look at your neighbor and say, breathe, breathe. We're going to be all right. We're going we gonna to get through this. Come on, let's keep swimming. Don't park right here. Let's keep swimming. I'm just trying to convince you to understand you can't stay in the place of anger. You find yourself in disgust. You cannot stay in the place of disgust. We can become disgusted. You, but this is the problem. Let me just park here and I'm going to move on. When you start thinking about being disgusted, understand the problem is not being disgusted. It's staying in a place of disgust. And you know why people tend to stay in a place of disgust? Because they don't go to the place of call to action. I'm disgusted about a dirty diaper, but I'm not doing anything to go dump the trash can. I'm disgusted about bullying. When I said that, uh, people chimed in and said, hey, man, I don't, I don't like bullying either. But will you speak up? Will you call it for what it is? Will you not just pray, but will you report it and say, hey, this ain't right. This is not. See what I'm saying? You know what happens when you get to a call of action and you respond properly? You move from the place of disgust to a place of action, and you're no longer in the place of disgust any longer. So all of a sudden, you find yourself in a place of fear. Well, if you're not working with spiders, if you're fearful of spiders and you're not working with them, chances are you're not going to be confronted with that. That's not something that's going to bother you, so you move on. But what if it's about an area of fear and the enemy is trying to take a territory from you and he's using fear against you so you don't go back and take what belongs to you? That's when fear becomes debilitating. Same way with sadness. Anybody can find themselves in a place of sadness. All of us have been sad. The problem is you can't stay in a place of sadness. Now, I don't know how true this is, but uh, through some research and some study, when I first got into ministry, they give you little cues to help people as it relates to bereavement. When people have lost somebody, uh, when is it time to intervene? And one of those times is when it comes to, you know, there's really no time span because you have to take into other variables, uh, the people's health and uh, how close they were to the person and all these other different things. But one of the things they say cross study is that if a person is in a place of bereavement for 18 months plus that's the time that you got to intervene that's that's a, that's a long time to stay in a place of just grief you you need somebody to come along beside you to walk you back why because all of a sudden you find the most comfortable place for you is in the bed you find yourself sleeping you find yourself changing your eating habits because to eat properly is a rediscipline. So it's not that you're not eating, but you eat the wrong thing. Talk to me, somebody. You become less and less active, and all of a sudden you start to have inflammation in your joints, and all these things start to have an impact on your physical conditioning. All of those things. See, we think, oh, that's physical, but that's spiritual as well. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He ain't just satisfied with your soul. He wants your health. He wants, your, he wants your, your, the mental part, uh, your mental health. He wants to take all of those things. So my point is, don't stay in the place of sadness. So here's the answer. What is the solution to all of these things, Pastor Willard? Well, God wants us to sit and stay in the seat of enjoyment. 
But what if I find myself this morning in some of these other seats? Because all of these seats, you can be, they can work in cooperation together. You can be in sadness and fear at the same time. You can be in anger and disgusted at the same time. But you cannot be in fear and enjoyment at the same time. So you can sit in all of these seats even simultaneously. But when you sit in the seat of enjoyment, you cannot sit in the others. And if you sit in the others, you cannot sit in the seat of enjoyment. And remember, our mind is our thoughts, our will. It's the seat of our thoughts, our will, and our emotions. So here it is. Second Corinthians, Paul write to the church. I want you to turn there. I just got three places to show you. Three or four places, we're done. Second Corinthians 10 and 4 says this. For the weapon of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The word carnal comes from the word carnivorous, meaning flesh, meat, meat, or carnivorous. He says they're not physical. Uh, they, they, they are spiritual weapons. He says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God, King James says, through God for the pulling down of what? Of what? Come on, one more time. Of what? Let me tell you what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a place of safety for the enemy. Actually, the word stronghold is universal. It, it can be anybody can use a stronghold. You can use a stronghold against your enemy. Uh, so the Old Testament view of stronghold is, is totally different. So you need to understand that. So when he says stronghold, you need to understand that it is a safe place for the enemy. And let me tell you the safe place for the enemy and all of these emotions. Here it is. The safe place for the enemy in anything. The greatest stronghold that has ever been launched in the earth realm is deception. In other words, the greatest stronghold is a lie. When we, in a few weeks, uh, we have Kingdom Essentials starting next week, so I want y'all to be a part of that Kingdom Essentials. But, but here, after that series, we have something called Lies Couples Believe. The Bible says... The truth will set you free. How many ever heard that? The truth will make you free. Anybody believe that? So if the truth will make you free, what will a lie do? So you need to understand the stronghold is deception. So any deception or lie you believe becomes a stronghold to you. So if you're angry, that's okay. But to stay in anger and to convince yourself that it is okay becomes deceiving. And because of that deception, that becomes a stronghold in your mind. Same way with sadness, same way with fear, same way with disgust. To believe the deceptive practice of the enemy to tell you and convince you that it is okay to be there becomes deceiving. Are you with me? Okay, is it hot in here? I see everybody fanning like we got them old Martin Luther King fans. Y'all remember the old school church? <laughs> Come on, Carlita. Come on, y'all remember them? The bulletins. Y'all, y'all don't see y'all, y'all, y'all be, oh, y'all started church when we had air conditioning. Praise the Lord. Okay. All right. Here we go. He says here, verse 5, casting down arguments, in other words, thoughts, ideas, imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So here it is. The only way to not stay in this seat because I'm attacked emotionally and then it manifests in these things by my mental 
interpretation of what I'm going through. The only way to deal with this so I don't stay angry is to, number one, I have to cast this imagination. I have to cast this argument. See, some of the arguments is not with other people. Some of the arguments is with yourself. The enemy will have this conversation with you in your head. And so all of a sudden you have all this argument. And that's why you need to be a person of prayer. Because a lot of times you're having this argument with, have you ever had an argument with yourself about yourself? Have you ever had an argument with yourself about somebody else? Come on, y'all know what it looks like. You say this, I'm going to say this, and I wish you would say this, and I'm going to come back with this. And I know you thinking this. And I know the enemy has us chasing our own tail. The Bible says my people perish for a lack of. So here's the knowledge. The knowledge is you don't have to stay in anger. The reason is is because the Bible says you can cast down every thought Every imagination, every idea, every argument, and bring it down into obedience to Christ. Let me tell you what that is. That means anger has to bow down to the lordship of Jesus. It's not that I can't get angry, but I'm going to choose to get out of this seat because anger is not my God. Jesus is. Amen. So when I find myself in the seat of disgust, I may become disgusted. But now I realize, wait a minute, I've been disgusted too long. I, I've been, I'm sitting up here now. It's causing me. Uh, some of you are disgusted by uh, what you see online through social media. You can fix that real quick by just getting off social media. But the truth must be acknowledged, and that is sometimes we have to admit the other truth, and that is that you're addicted to social media. Talk to me, somebody. The Bible says we should not become a slave to anything. And so all of a sudden now we find ourselves slave to social media, but yet social media is making us sick because every third thing we see is disgusting us. And so what we have to do, whatever it is, we got to say, I'm no longer going to choose. I'm choosing not to just stay in a place of disgust. I was disgusted a week. I was disgusted three weeks. Here it is three years later. I'm still disgusted about the same thing. What I need to do is bring this down to the Lordship of Jesus. That has to bow down. All of a sudden we find ourselves in fear. All of a sudden we're fearful. We're bothered by it. Whatever it is, you classified, you know what it is that God's been dealing with you about as it relates to fear. But this is what I would tell you. You have to, in your mind, bring whatever that attack is that's causing you to be fearful. A lot of times it's a circle that we run in. I don't know. Do you really think you're smart enough to go back to college? Do you really think you're crafty enough to start that business? Do you really? I mean, all little bitty subtle things that people say to you. They're not giving you wise counsel. What they're doing is fortifying your fear because what they should do is say let's pray together let's believe God and if God say no then girl don't get in there but if God say yes you I'm behind you a hundred percent but a lot of times people are fearful because they operate in fear and really what they're doing is pronouncing or projecting their fears onto you so here it is you got to let fear bow down to Jesus lastly you may find yourself in a place of sadness and that's okay we all get sad Look at your name and say, but you can't stay sad. Yeah, I, I refuse to stay in a place of mourning. I got, I was telling somebody the other day, uh, uh, we was talking to a group, uh, uh, our staff, and we was talking about just, I was telling them to make sure you, you take care of your health. Uh, don't wait to, don't wait for your health to be in trouble before you start trying to get passionate about trying to take care of your health. Uh, I'm at an age and stage, I turned 50 here in a few months. And most people tell me, Pastor, well, you don't, man, I wouldn't have never thought you're getting ready to be 50. 
Uh, but I can tell you, I know I'm getting ready to be 50. <laughs> but let me tell you this. I cannot wait till my health is totally destroyed before I get serious about my health. There's somebody in this room who know exactly what I'm talking about. What you have to do is make up your mind. And sometimes we're sad about our health. How many of you are athletes? Were athletes when you were growing up in school? Athletes? How many of you out of that group had some medical challenges? And how many of you resent that challenge you're going through? Most people that I talk to resent the challenge of their physical, resent what their body is going through because they resent that their body is not responding the way it once did. And they're saying, out of all the things that I did to take care of myself, why is my body working against me? And they resent it. But the problem is, because they're so resentful, they stop doing what they need to do, and they just stay sad. They're not being proactive. And what you need to do is I can be healthy. So I'm going to pull that image. I'm going to pull that idea. I'm going to pull that thought down, and I'm going to make it bow down to Christ, casting down every argument, idea, thoughts, imagination, and I'm going to bring it down to the obedience of Christ. Pastor Willard, what does that look like? Philippians, i got to read this to you. I want you to turn there real quick. This is our last, next to last scripture. I want you to go to he, uh, Philippians 4 and 8. I didn't give this to the media team, so if y'all can help me with this. Philippians. Miss Patty, I apologize. This was given to me after. But I want y'all to see this. If we're casting down, look at me, look at me. If we're casting down those negative thoughts that's bringing sadness, trying to keep sadness, fear, anger, disgust, trying to keep it there, how do I combat it? Listen to what he says in Philippians 4 and 8. He says this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be anything that is praiseworthy, he says this. He says, think, meditate on these things. Focus on these things. So how do you do it? You cast down that thought that is keeping you in a place of sadness. Go to the root, not just the fruit. Anger, anger is the fruit. It's not the root. Anger is a secondary emotion. It's not a primary one. So let's not, when you deal with your kids, you don't just say, stop being angry. You say, what are you angry about? Why do you ask that question? Because you're trying to help them get to the root cause of the anger. You don't just say, stop being angry. Stop being mad. Because that's a natural emotion. You want to get to the root cause of the anger. So this is what we do. We get to the root cause, and then we start to cast it down. Because it may be unforgiveness. It may be dealing with abuse. It may be that you're tired of being bullied. Whatever it is, let's get to the root cause. And when you do that, he says, think on those things that are pure, praiseworthy, so forth and so on. Let me give you the last thing. First John 4 and 3 says this. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And that is that spirit of the Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. This is my closing thought. The Bible says the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. 
the Greek word for antichrist is a word that means at least two things. Number one, it means, antichrist means to oppose or to be against Christ or the things of Christ. Number two, I told you this last week, it means to have a substitute. For you who may be listening online or you who are on site, let me ask you this. What has become a substitute Christ for you? What, is you pl- what have you placed in the role or the seat that Jesus is supposed to sit in? What have you placed in that seat? Anything you place in that seat not only becomes your God, you become a slave and it becomes your slave master. The second thing you need to understand is not only does it mean to have a substitute or to replace. Let me tell you what that looks like, even in ministry. You can exalt even yourself to an unhealthy place. When I was uh, an associate minister in Anchorage, Alaska, uh, going to a particular church, uh, our pastor would let the associate ministers, we had a morning service and then an evening service, and at the 6 o'clock, he would allow the associate ministers uh, seasonally to take turns ministering at the 6 o'clock service. And he would tell you ahead of time, hey, you're going to be speaking at the 6 o'clock service. And so get that opportunity. You're excited and everything. And, and all of a sudden, you, you, you have your calendar date. And you're telling people and you're inviting people and you're encouraging people to come because you got a word and you want to share it. And every now and then, and I've had this happen to me, he would say, hey, you're not going to be, he'll tell you right before the service, hey, you were supposed to be speaking today, you're not speaking, you're speaking. And you'd be so disappointed. And he was bold enough to say, hey, what's, what's your problem? Well, I invited all of these people. Oh, so you've now made it about you. And why didn't you invite those people when you weren't speaking? Y'all don't want to talk to me here this morning. He has a way, listen, listen. You say, Pastor Will, what does that have to do with anything? My point is, is that we can get this thing totally twisted. And the spirit of the Antichrist can be something else, or you can even exalt yourself into that place where now you become your own Christ. Because the word literally means a substitute. So I want to encourage you not to allow it to become a substitute. The last thing I'm going to tell you is it relates to Antichrist. The Antichrist spirit is always anti-love, anti-forgiveness, and anti-reconciliation. The Antichrist spirit is always anti-love, anti-forgiveness, anti-reconciliation. Kingdom reconciliation is different than corporate world reconciliation. It's, it's just because you uh, went through a divorce doesn't mean you cannot be reconciled. And reconciliation doesn't mean remarrying the same person. Because he's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. And that sometimes can bring separation. And that should be able to... your your your. The commonality of having the same father and being able to be in fellowship and communion together is the fellowship or the reconciliation he's talking about. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get together with your old boyfriend or old girlfriend. Kingdom reconciliation is talking about dealing with the soul. It's talking about dealing with fellowship. And it's talking about making Christ the center. And there's some people in this room. Christ is no longer the center. And you're in church, 
but he's not the center. You're worshiping, he's not the center. You're still maintaining your devotion, but Christ is not the center. And today, I believe God wants to do business with you. Every head's bowed. There's some people here that simply needs to do business with Jesus. You don't have to stay in that place of anger. But the enemy has built up a stronghold. This is not for everybody, but this is for somebody in this room. Your sadness is an unusual sadness. This is not for everybody in here. But your fear is a tormenting fear. For somebody in this room, your level of disgust has not only caused you not to move into action, it's affecting your other relationships. But this is the biggie I sense in this service, and that's anger. There's somebody in here, I don't come to condemn you, I come to confront you. You are an abuser. And you need to be healed. And the people that you are abusing, you are eating up their quality of life. The truth be told, in this season of your life, they would literally be better without you in it. And there's nobody you're listening to right now. And so I'm praying that you would listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because I don't know you like that, but you know what you're going through. There's somebody else in here. That fear of torment is locking you down. And it has kept you from soaring in other areas of your life. Some of you have listened to the lie of the enemy. And so you don't enjoy your life right now. And God is saying, I want to do business with you. Every head is bowed. Every eye closed. I know we're in the season of COVID. I'm not going to be laying hands, but I believe that there's some people in this room. You need to bring some stuff and just leave it here at the altar. If you're a person in this room that you know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I want you to come quickly right now. Come, come, come. Just step out right where you are. Come. That's right. Just come. Come on. Come to the altar. And what we're going to do is we're going to leave it here. 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 We're going to leave it here in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come, 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 come. We're not going to keep you much longer, but I want you to come. If you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart, I promise you that's not the enemy. I promise you, I promise you the enemy is not going to tell you to come to the altar. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's prepare our hearts to do business with Jesus. I know it takes a lot of courage, especially when we talk about a, such a sensitive subject, to come publicly to an altar. And I wasn't going to do it in 
until I heard the Lord say something specific to me at the 9 o'clock service. And I realized that our job as ministers is to try to facilitate the great exchange. But it is the power of the Holy Spirit that has to be in charge. So in order for you to have what God wants you to have, it's up to us to do it the way God commands us to do it in a given moment. That's what it means to be spirit-led. And so what I trust right now in this moment that God is going to do something supernaturally in the heart so that you can know your identity in him because sometimes listen to me there's times in my life I have to admit that I bumped up against the thing up, up, up against certain things and my identity changed I literally thought I was someone else so I performed as I was someone else all of us can lose our identity in other words, forget who we're supposed to be identified as, a child of God. And I believe that there's some people that have come to this house today. I believe that there's some people at this altar that are saying, God, I am who you say I am. I am who you say that I am. But I need you to help me. So if you found yourself and you're saying, Pastor Willard, I'm no longer sitting in the seat of anger. But as I left the seat of anger... I felt like darkness was with me. Paul says in the seventh chapter of the book of Romans, he says, when I would do good, evil is yet present with me. You have to understand that there's going to be seasons where darkness is going to still be around, but just because it's around doesn't mean it's in. And what you need to do is believe God to pull down those strongholds that has been in your mind. Make a declaration to say this. Say this with me. Say, I am... Who, I, who he says that I am. I am who he says I am. Sadness must bow down to the Lordship of Christ. Fear must bow down to the Lordship of Christ. Disgust must bow down to the Lordship of Christ. Anger must bow down to the Lordship of Christ. Because I am who he says that I am. Now listen. Now let me tell you the benefits. Let me tell you the benefits. David says, what shall I render unto the Lord for all of these benefits toward me? Let me tell you something. The benefit is when you walk in your identity, everybody connected to you reaps the benefits of you knowing who you are. Because when we walk in the spirit of who Christ has called us to be, you're going to be a different person. Now listen to me. We're getting ready to pray. But somebody in this room, make up in your mind, you're going to drop the shame. Drop it right now in Jesus' name. I said drop it right now in Jesus' name. You will never be able to walk in the full identity of who you are if you're carrying the luggage on your shoulders of the shame that you're supposed to walk out of. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for this opportunity to come into this house. And I thank you for these who have made a public declaration of faith to say, God, we no longer can carry sadness and fear. We will no longer sit in the seat of disgust and anger. We've sat there too long. And even though we're human and it's a part of the human condition, Lord, we choose not to stay in that seat. But we choose to move to the seat of enjoyment where we can enjoy our lives, happiness and peace, trust again, love again, embrace again. 
Ecclesiastes says there's a time to reframe, but then there's a time to re-embrace. And so, Lord, we want to move into a season where you allow us to move into a place of health. Renew our mind. Renew us in Jesus' name. We thank you for what you're doing in this house. We thank you for what you're doing among your people. And we thank you that Jesus Christ is being glorified today. We thank you that the people of God is being edified today. And we thank you that the enemy of our soul is being horrified with the revelation of the light of your truth. Shining into those strongholds in dark places. Lord, pull down the deception. In Jesus' name.